Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Okay. I am really excited today to talk to one of the funniest people in sales that's out there. I also want to know if you care why a community of peers is important to get through tough times and why sales are dope. Never, ever stop selling. That's right. Today, I am delighted to talk to a really, really cool cat. This is Ross Pomeranz from Corporate Bro. Ross, how you doing? What's up? I'm all good, man. I'm all good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let me tell you all all about Ross. This guy's really cool. And you probably have seen him on YouTube. He's got some amazing videos out there that definitely have made me laugh quite a bit. So uh, he goes under Corporate Bro, and he's got hilarious takes on sales and the life of a tech salesperson. He is the champion of the mid-level salesperson. I love that. And his big saying, sadness, sales are dope, never, ever stop selling, which I think is phenomenal. Learn he is also the general. <laughs> exactly. He is the general of the war room. He's the head of community at Bravado, and I can't wait to talk about that. He's also a consultant advisor at Scratchpad, an advisor at Grapevine AI. So he's got a lot going on. Really, really cool stuff. So Ross, once again, thanks for coming on the show. Of course. Of course. Excited to excited to chat. Awesome. So tell me about what you've been doing lately and what's coming up. What have I been doing lately? <laughs> what haven't I been doing lately is probably a better question. I mean, you mentioned a bunch of things that I am currently doing. I spend a good amount of my time working on the war room which you mentioned, it's a community for salespeople. It's a free community. You know, my thinking has always been salespeople. Uh, this is my, my crusade is to prevent salespeople from being so marginalized in the grand scheme of the world, because I think sales is you know, considered a dirty word. And so I wanted to build a place where salespeople could get together and make fun of everybody else because it's time. And it's time to you know, put some respect on the name. Uh, that is my what you would call my day job. Uh, my other day job is obviously making content, corporate bro stuff. I've been doing that for about eight years. You know, it started as kind of a fun thing. I just I like making videos, got some traction, kept getting bigger. And for a long time, I kind of kept my identity a secret because I was working a job where I was scared I would lose or a job that I was fearful of losing if people found out who I was, this online persona I had. And then you mentioned I do, I do some advising for some small early stage startups and on top of that, I'm writing a TV show. That takes a lot of time as well. I'm trying to put out some, you know, kind of e-commerce type brand things, uh, including sneak peek right here, Quota Quencher. It's beer. Nice. Right nice here. product placement. Yep. I was shooting some videos for it. So they're literally just sitting in stacks on my desk right in front of me right here. I got the sadness seltzer. Anyway, I'm going to be dropping those next <laughs> week. It. But yeah, there's just a lot of like creativity, a lot of brand, a lot of shit I'm doing. It's seven days a week. It's a lot of fun. You know, just it's uh, it's quite time consuming. I'll say. No, hence no the reason kidding. I was so hard to say, schedule this. I mean, all of that shit you just crammed in there. What do you have? Forty hours in a day somehow? I mean, it's a lot. It, it is a lot. I mean, it really is seven days a week. But it's uh, like I said, I it's most of it's for myself, and so that doesn't feel hard to be motivated to do. I think that's I'm very lucky to have that. But at the same time, you know, writing until two a.m. It's not exactly sustainable unless I have a shitload of coffee, which I do, fortunately. Uh, but <laughs> but again, it's like. You know, you got to get it done somehow and just, you know, as long as there are hours, you know, you might as well use them. Yeah, no kidding. And by the way, for those of you who haven't seen him on YouTube, just go search Corporate Bro after you're done watching this video. Go search Corporate Bro and you will start laughing. Prepare to spend about three hours watching these things. They're amazing. Um, Time you'll never get back. So just know that. (laughs) Well, the problem, I don't know because it actually, 
gave me verification that what I was doing was either wrong or right. So it gave me direction knowing, hey, when I was a sales rep, wow, I was right there with everybody else either sucking or doing the right thing, which both I did plenty of. So uh, (laughs) tell me about the war room, though. That sounds amazing. What led you to start that and what is it all about? You know, I had like a Slack community for a long time. I was one of the early adopters of Slack where people were like, what is this? Like, why do I have to go like outside of LinkedIn? I was like, well, first of all, LinkedIn banned me. So, you know, that's not even an option for me right now. Um, But Slack was like a little bit more. I started seeing it get integrated into workplaces. You know, companies were buying the enterprise version. And I was like, well, I got to expect this is going to be second nature for a lot of people at some point. And this was pre pre pandemic. So uh, I was kind of ahead of that, which was nice because a bunch of people I had about 5000 folks in uh, in my Slack. But I was like, I was super limited by what Slack had to offer. I obviously couldn't pay seven dollars a user. I don't make that kind of money by any means to support like a full enterprise product. And it made me not do a lot of work in terms of keeping the community going. And then I had this opportunity with Bravado. They were trying to build out a community. They had venture funding and they were like, dude, if you want to come in here, just like lead our product vision. Like we will just kind of take orders. And I was like, tight. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. And so I basically built out kind of what we're calling what I called a battle plan, all the elements of things that I wanted. And like, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. It's Right now, if you were to go onto it, it would look a lot like Reddit, in especially the way the content is displayed with upvote, downvotes. But the difference cool. for us right now is we are able to gamify it. We're able to build on top of that system to give you way more options and also tailor it to salespeople. You know, it's like it's like a subreddit that's a more robust, and I gotta hate that word, but more robust subreddit. So we have this thing called commission, shocking name, I know. Um, <laughs> that is basically points given to people when they contribute to the community and contribute well. And you can actually use those and redeem things from Amazon gift cards to a Rolex to a trip to Hawaii, wine tastings, like experiences, like legit shit that salespeople would actually want. I mean, of course, you can get your water bottles, you can get your like dry fit teas that have war room on it and stuff like that. But, you know, salespeople are motivated by incentive and we wanted to get people on there and see that like their contributions could matter. We've got a like whole gamified like badging system. And then, you know, we've got a whole bunch of stuff down the road. We're building like sales portfolios, place for you to track your career so that you don't lose it every time you switch companies, you know, kind of mentorship programs, events. Like at some point I want to have a president's club for our users, you know, so different industries, different sales folk from around the world go to, I don't know, Fiji or something and get weird. Like, so it's trying to just build the entire sales. Like there isn't a place right now where someone says, okay, if I have a question about sales, like what is the single source of that I of truth that I can go to and get these answers. That's what I'm trying to build here right now. So I wanted to have a bunch of resources for new SDRs. I wanted to have how do you build comp plans, like advice from managers, advice from senior executives, things like that. So we're still really early. We have a long way to go. But so far, the hype is real. And and a lot of people are involved. That's awesome. I mean, when you talk about people who are coming there looking for help, looking for guidance, uh, I have a community similar for software founders. So Mm -hmm. people who are trying to grow their company, scale their company. And so we have a very strong community. And it's cool. I see them grow. I see the benefits that they get from networking and communicating with other people going through the same challenges that they are, or somebody even just a little bit ahead of them saying, hey, here's how you get past that hurdle. It can be very powerful. So I'm sure you've seen that at the salesperson level as well. Are you seeing results from people who have come there, gotten benefit from the community? Yeah. I mean, we're seeing a lot of it right now. It's, you know, the good and bad thing about sales is there are no silver bullets. You know, there is no single right way to do things. So, you know, at times we get duplicate questions, but then you get 20, 30 different people answering the question, you know, so you get different perspectives. And so in that regard, I think it just is, it's just accessible. You know, I mean, granted, like, you know, we do pride ourselves on kind of the exclusivity component, mostly because 
I don't want anybody and everybody in the community. You know, I, I just don't like I, I as inclusive as I would like to be. It's just for salespeople. It's just for quota carrying folks from the SDR to the CRO. So in that regard, it's awesome. exclusive. But it, but it also you also know like the culture kind of manifests itself. Like sales is a culture, and I and like God, you can go down this whole like, well, sales is a bro culture. That's bullshit. Blah blah blah. Like sales, sure, you can call it a bro culture, but it's more of a mentality to me. You know, many of the women I've worked with have a very like it's more of a mentality. They, they don't give a shit that they're like successful females in sales. They're like, I'm a badass salesperson. Can't we just leave with that? And exactly. so that culture is kind of permeating through there. In fact, I mean, admittedly, we the reason we hand select people is we're trying to maintain a kind of a 50 50 gender disparity. We're trying to get folks from all, all over the world, which we have. Obviously, over time, it gets a little bit harder, but like we have maintained a very, very strong like geographical gender ethnic diversity in the world, which is really cool because it is anonymous still. So like ultimately that shit wow. doesn't even matter. It's just that you're going to get a diversity of opinions in there. Like you, you don't need to know, you're not going to have the implicit bias of when you see someone on LinkedIn post something, you can ask the hard questions like, should I wait to get fired or should I just quit? You can't ask that on LinkedIn. You can't say, no. Hey, I'm interviewing at Salesforce. You know, anybody got some insight on how that goes, you know, because you don't want to give away you're leaving the company or trying to get out. Like these are the questions we want people to be able to ask. And there hasn't been a spot to do it. So it's very honest. If nothing else, it's honest. And it's just that's like really amazing. cool to see. Yeah. I think it's amazing. I mean, having that anonymity is awesome because my guess is, well, I mean, think about it. If you go on Twitter, you go on LinkedIn, you go on somewhere and you see somebody posting something you're like, okay, that sounds good. But what's their angle? Like, what are they right. trying to get out of this? Whereas right. if it's anonymous, like somebody says something like, okay, that you probably trust it a little bit more even. Right. I mean, the only thing they have to gain is that they give a good answer and they get some commission and then can go buy something for it. But it doesn't cost you anything to tip them. You know, you can pay them by upvoting them, so to speak, but like that actually costs you nothing, you know? Right. So it's, it's, there's still a lot of kinks. There's still a lot of issues. Like, you know, there's just, we need to get better at our content categorization. Like we need to build our algorithm, you know, start training it a lot better to present relevant content to the right people. And we initially thought we were like, okay, well, we better pre-populate content here because we're not going to get enough of it. And like, we are doing three, four X engagement than the subreddit, you know, the, the R sales subreddit, which has... Wow. 140,000 people in it. And right now we've only got about 2,000. As of today, it'll be about 2,000 inside the war room. We have a huge wait list, but we're trying to let people in slowly so we can keep building a better and better first impression because you know the early adopters are our friends, allies willing to give us a chance. I mean, it's like any startup. like You don't want to just let everybody in all at once. The floodgates, things will get unwieldy. So we're trying to scale our user base up slowly enough that we keep them around and they stick. Well, I think you're doing everything right. I mean, the power of community is super strong. And it sounds like you're handling it really well. I mean, to have that kind of engagement more than Reddit is incredible. So kudos on that. Yeah, thank you. It's, I mean, you know, of course, like I sit there and I feel cool when I see the stats come out. But every day I'm like, okay, when's when's it going to fall? Like, when's it going to drop? When when are we going to like lose it? And so I guess that's the motivation to keep trying to build and keep making more engaging, you know, concepts inside the war room. But so far, so good. I would agree. I mean, I think that would give you that motivation to kind of get ahead. That, I think it's for great. sure. For sure. But it's always an issue of, you know, dev resources, you know, of I, if there's anything I've learned. So we've got a, our, our teams in Russia, great nudes, time zones an issue. But I've learned like, especially in sales, you're like, why the fuck have they not rolled this out yet? Like, why is this not exist? How hard is it to do this? Apparently, really small things are really hard to do. And that's I've gotten an appreciation for development and how long things take. And like, if you tell a dev team to build something, they will build it exactly two specs of what you said. If you like forget an edge case, <laughs> yep. if you like say like, why this is common sense, you should have built this component too. They're like, well, then you didn't say that. Like infer that, you know, <laughs> like infer it, but that's just not how they roll. So I have learned about that quite a few times now. 
I've learned that the hard way many times myself with my companies, just building them and just trying to say, hey, we need this. And it's not going to be exactly the way you hope. So I want to talk about your videos because they're hilarious. What gave you the idea to incorporate comedy with sales? Man, living it, I guess. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, my first job was at Oracle, which is, you know, the reputation of Oracle, Churnum and Burnham, swim with the sharks, a bunch of savages. And it was true. That's what it was. You know, I was working in a building with like three, 4,000 salespeople, just salespeople in the shitty building across the street from the beautiful campus where they, you know, kept us kind of quarantined away from all the other folks. So we wouldn't sales get such a bad rap, man. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, you know, the culture there was definitely kind of a frat house with a dress code. It was a lot of fun, honestly. Like I enjoyed Oracle because my team was awesome. A lot of people I worked with were awesome, but you know, you kind of like united against the like, ah, fuck this company. This place sucks. Like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's sales is hard. Like we don't even know what the fuck we're selling because this, the products are so complicated. You know, we have sales engineers helping us out. Uh, but that was where I was like, I looked around one day, I was with my buddy. I was like, dude, everybody here's a corporate bro. And I didn't mean that in any gendered way at all. I was like, everybody there was a corporate bro. Everyone was 20 to 40 years old. Nobody knew what they were doing. They were selling like multi-million dollar deals and uh, then going to blackout at Coachella like the next weekend. Like that was just like kind of <laughs> the culture there. And so I started making Vine videos for fun. I always like growing up, I made home videos. Like nobody ever said, oh, go be an actor, dude, or like go into film. It was just like something I did always on the side. And then the Vine got big. Vine started to, as a platform started to disappear. So I was like, I don't want to lose the videos. I started putting them on Instagram after a couple months, got written up by a couple publications, total frat move and uh, bro Bible. Yeah, I know. I know. I know nice. what it sounds like it is that they used to matter back in the, they were barstool, honestly, before <laughs> those barstool. were, those were big time. Yeah. They were big before barstool, like really hit the mainstream. And now they're like, now they're nothing, but they were the ones that kind of catapulted me into relevance. And I decided, okay, this is no longer just me having fun or people thinking it's funny because it's me. You know, I was always, I've always been the weirdo in the group. So it's like, oh, it's, that's so Ross. Like Ross would do that. I can um, see that. And I, and I learned, I was like, <laughs> oh shit, other people can find this funny too. So let me build some, a process around it. Let me try to put out a piece of content every week and just go from there. And that's all I've done is just try to put a piece of content out every week. I've probably missed a handful of weeks, but for the last six or seven years, it's been pretty consistent. I think that's the answer. Whether it's comedy, whether it's education, whatever it is, get content out there and make a schedule, stick to it. And when you can do that and be consistent and persistent with it, you see results. And content is definitely a long game, as you can probably attest to with the years you put into it. But I continue to tell my clients, get that content out there, connect with your audience, and eventually it's going to catch on. And you're living proof of the results. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, one of the things that, that makes it easier for me and I would recommend to anybody else is just like put parameters on yourself. Like it's so hard. It's like, I can make content about anything. Like what, well, that's like the most difficult thing you can try to do is make content about anything. Like give yourself a week deadline, say you're going to be within this niche or within these concepts and just stick to it. And if you put shitty content out, which you will at first, just keep going. You're going to keep learning on it. You're going to keep, it's going to keep getting better. Like I promise it will, whether it's your camera work, whether it's your deliveries, whether it's the the writing, like it will all get better. You just need to put some level of parameters on yourself, like do a creative brief on what you think your content should touch on your do's and don'ts. And the more you do that, the more your audience is going to say, okay, I know what's coming here, you know, and obviously you experiment from time to time, but when you're early and getting going, you just want to be consistent and have that like same message in all of your videos. And so, or Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever your content is, but then, you know, you build the audience, you do some weird shit and see what happens. Uh, But until then parameters and consistency, that's it. Yeah, just do it. I, I, like you said, the first one's going to be pretty rough. I was actually just advising one of my clients who's going to go start a podcast to build some authority, and he was wanting to make everything perfect. I'm like, just start doing it. Like, just get after it. Yeah, like, my nobody's going to listen to it. Brutal. <laughs> nobody's yeah, going to listen to the first couple. Yeah. 
Absolutely. They were brutal. And I uh, went back and listened to one a few months ago and I'm like, oh my God, that was rough. And some of my first videos, really, really rough. So just get out there and do it. And you'll get better and better. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. It's just kind of taking that first step, which is hard for a lot of people. And you overanalyze and then you just got to remember that nobody gives a shit. <laughs> nobody gives that a shit so but true. you. So and then true. once you get over that, like you're fine. You very, know? very true. You've been in sales a while. What do you think is the greatest factor for someone to become successful in sales? How do you help those sales reps who are really wanting to make it happen? There's two components. And like one is just grind and just like put in the reps because there's just no way. It's so hard to simulate game reps. It's, you know, I was I was a pitcher for a couple of years in a very low level minor league ball, but it was like what I, organization. So it was independent minor league ball. Gotcha. So we were technically not affiliated. But basically Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I'm Huge baseball fan still. I got a bunch of my buddies are in the big leagues. So I'm just sitting here watching them live my dream. But other than that, <laughs> um, like you can throw bullpens all day and it's never going to simulate a hitter in the box. Like you got to pick up the phone. And like, so that's, that's the easy hard part. The other part is self-awareness. And like, that's what it was for me is like, you know, what's hard is, you know, you're calling people who don't want to hear from you. You know, you, you start like building up in your mind that like you put a bunch of weight on every call. Like it matters. Like, and again, this goes back to content, like it, it doesn't matter, you know? And for me, it was like, I would always open up with some sort of joke, but like, I would say it in kind of a serious way. So the thing I would always say when I would actually get somebody willing to give me some time is like, I know talking to a salesperson is somewhere between jury duty and going to the dentist. So I appreciate you giving me 15 minutes right now. And immediately they're like, okay, yeah, this guy knows I'm miserable. Right now. <laughs> this guy, this guy knows that he's a sales guy and I'm already on the defensive, like every sales call. And I can kind of disarm like that. Um, everybody's going to have their own style. nicely. I, I mean, it worked, you know, I mean, I still lost deals. I still had people not still didn't land for some people, but that was my style. That was like, and my style honestly came from, you know, you just want to be, it's so lame. You want to be yourself, but you also want to take all the bits and pieces from successful reps and work those into your, make them your own. You know, there are all these sound bites. I always try to find the sound bites of the, you know, the top reps in my org. And then I would adopt those in my own way. So that was the other piece that That's I would smart. do. So I, I really think it's self it's to me, it's like, pick up the phone and self-awareness. And when you work in self-awareness and try and put yourself in the shoes of the other person you're talking to and call those things out, you become way more of a human instead of a salesperson. Yeah. I mean, I, I always talk about it. People buy from people. And yeah. So don't be that robot just going through your script, like try to connect with the person. And there are right. definitely ways to do that and breaking down the the barriers and kind of, uh, you know, softening that ice a little bit is key. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's good ways to do that in bad ways. Like some people read the room, like don't want small talk. Like they just want you to cut to the chase and that's fine. I prefer those people, you know, cause everybody knows what small talk is. You can kind of call it out, but like, you know, some people do, some people are like, Oh yeah. They start telling, they start oversharing, like took their son to the soccer games. I don't give a, did nope, he score? Just kidding. I don't care. But I, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, you gotta like kind of play with it and that's just what it is. So the more reps you do, the more quickly you'll be able to recognize who's on the other end and just kind of change your tone, your style. They call it mirror and match. I think in Sandler, Sandler uh, sales training, but you know, that's helpful. Absolutely. And the thing I always advise on that is record yourself and go back and listen and actually watch what happens on the good ones, watch what happens on the bad ones. And you can see at some point, if they turn bad, you got them, you got them, you got them, all of a sudden the call dies. You can see what you did and hear what you did to be able to change it in the future. Right. It's going to be cringy, but that's just how it is. Like you think I enjoy watching every video I've ever made. I hate it. I hate it. I hate hearing my voice. I hate seeing my face, but it's the only way I can, you know, get better is just watching those things. And um, as hard as it is, I just now I'm used to it. And the good news is I hate everything I've ever done. So I just kind of accepted it at this point. I think it helps me keep well, the I, You got at least one fan right here. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just part of the, 
I don't know, called the creator's play, whatever it is. You know, you always want to go back and wish you could edit, wish you could change, wish you could do something else. But again, I basically have a week to turn around a video and what I get is what I get. And I put it out there. You know, I do hate the phrase though. It's like, at least it's content. Like, and we say that too much um, Mm -hmm. because I do want it to be good. But at the same time, like something's better than nothing. Usually (laughs) most of the time. So I would agree. So what other piece of advice would you give to new software salespeople who are starting out? You just, and I've already kind of touched on this. It's like, you just got to get past the fact that nobody cares. That's it. Like the hardest thing I think for people to do is pick up the phone Mm -hmm. in every sales or like people are, you know, fearful to pick up the phone and I get it. And I was, and I still am. And I still get like, you know, for, but for me, it's, I feel good knowing I prepared. I did the things I, I, I built a routine just like pitching. I had my five day routine until each start. I had my day routine. I had my week routine. And I, and I did the same thing with cold calls. I at least knew I was prepared on the calls I was making. And mm-hmm. if nothing else, like that puts you ahead of a lot of people. Instead of just dialing down a list, like I would have like a fact. I would have a, an article. I would have something to reference that would suggest I wasn't just calling to learn. I was calling because I knew, but I still wanted to explore. And therefore, they were more likely to be like, okay, well, let me fill you on the gaps that you have because it's not, it's not public. But yeah, I mean, that's it. Like it's so hard to pick up the phone. So get your jams on, like get your coffee, put on your music and then just get going. Yeah. And the thing I took out of that is process. And the something I teach all the time is have a process for you, the process when you're pitching, the five days, count it down. But in sales, all the way through in every different stage, you should have a process, have a routine that you can stick to that you know you can rely on. And if something happens to you, then somebody else can pick it up and keep going. Yeah. And like the routine, like it just... It's even just more of a confidence thing than anything else. It's just like knowing you put yourself in the position to do well, even if it doesn't go that way. You know, I would do my same routine. I'd have shitty starts. I'd have a lot more good starts than bad starts, but it didn't mean like as soon as I have a shitty start, I would change my routine. You know, like I think people are really quick to try and change and like figure diagnose a problem when it's like you can't control everything. Like that's the truth, especially in sales. You can't control everything. So don't try to control yourself, put the best swing on the ball that you can every time. You know, throw your best pitch every time. And if you look back at the end of the quarter, you're probably going to do a lot better than you thought you did or thought you would. Absolutely. I totally agree. That is perfectly said. And uh, that brings us to our time today. So, Ross, this was awesome. Again, we've been talking with Ross Pomerantz, the corporate bro himself. Definitely go check him out. Ross, what's the best ways for people to learn more about you? Yeah, you can, I would say, follow me on Instagram. That's where all the videos go because some of my videos are edgy and questionable and offensive. So I keep those on Instagram. Not uh, safe you, for work, as they say. Not safe, very much not safe for work, even though they're about work. Um, <laughs> LinkedIn would be a good one. You can find me, Corporate Pro on LinkedIn or Ross Pomerantz on LinkedIn. Obviously, YouTube. I mean, I'm on, I'm on all the social channels. Um, you can always email me. My email, which might shock many of you, is corporate at corporatebro.com. Sweet. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes as well. But Ross, this was a ton of fun for me. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a, been a pleasure and an honor. Absolutely. The honor is mine. Well, everybody else, thank you very much for coming and listening. Again, make sure you subscribe. Hit that button to subscribe so you cannot miss out on anything that we're doing. But once again, this was Ross Pomerantz, the corporate bro himself. And we will see you next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to Sastery in the Making. Join us next episode for another look into how today's visionaries are creating the next generation of innovation.